You've tuned into Geekily Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Session for Character 101, Episode 2, presented by Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Networks. Uh, we are here because a interesting character has shown up on the Supergirl TV show. Uh, I think it's a character that most people probably won't know about. Uh, he has shown up in some of the animated movies. He's shown up in Smallville, the TV show. Yep. He, uh, you know... Played a huge part in the Justice League cartoon. The Justice League cartoon, that's right. I didn't even yeah. think about that. So, uh, we're talking about Martian Manhunter. John Jones, you know, son of Mars. Whenever people give me too much flack that Superman is way too powerful, I say, you need to go look at Martian Manhunter. Oh my gosh. Because he has every power that Superman has, plus telepathy, plus shape-shifting, plus intangibility. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the guy is a powerhouse. I mean, like... Yeah, you know, he can screw with your mind. He can go through walls. It's yeah, he is. He is. Def- it's a shame he doesn't get as much love as he should. You know, here's a super powerful character, and he has nothing but good love for his adopted planet. Very know? much so. I mean, I mean, this is. You think about Krypton is is a planet that's super far away in a whole another galaxy, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, Mars is the next planet over. We sent a skateboard to Mars. <laughs> we've, we've made touchdown there. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's, I, I think it's all—it's uh, obviously comes from our fascination with uh, with space. Oh yeah, especially since they made they made him green. You know, we mm-hmm. you know in the fifties when he was created, men, yeah. yeah, tiny green men from Mars. So uh, let, let let's talk about John Jones or John Jones uh, the. Martian Manhunter. Okay, so here's a quick rundown. So, uh, John's first appearance was in Detective Comics issue 225, dated November of 1955. His real name is John Jones, so that is his secret identity. His code name is Martian Manhunter. Uh, he's an adventurer. He's mostly tied, affiliated with the Justice League of America, the JLA. Um, his height can vary. His weight can vary because of his shape-shifting abilities. Uh, kind of a quick rundown on Powers' abilities. We have Flight. Super strength, invulnerability, enhanced speed, shape shifting, invisibility. All right, that's right, invisibility. I forgot about that. Yep. Invisibility, telepathy, and Martian vision, which is just kind of heat ray vision. It's, it's, it's actual flame vision. Yeah. Um, he does have a touch of X ray vision, and uh, I believe that's the the full gamut of his powers. So, and if you think about okay, so uh, his first appearance was uh, Detective, Detective Comics nineteen or two, number two two. All right, his first appearance was Detective Comics 225 in November 1955, like you said. Yep. You know, uh, this is a it's kind of another uh, response in the Silver Age of... Because, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but the name Manhunter is kind of a legacy. We've seen it a couple times before. You got the Manhunters from the Green Lanterns. Yes, yeah, well, that is interesting to see... Uh... How they all tie together. So, um, I think Paul, I don't want to say, but anyway, there was a, there was a golden age character, the Manhunter. The Manhunter, right. Yeah, yeah. he was, he, he, Paul Kirk. There we go. Paul Kirk, Paul Kirk, the Manhunter. And he wore the red and blue costume that eventually was picked up by the Green Lanterns of the Silver Age as their robotic Manhunters. And then Manhunter himself continued on and he kind of had this. Very 60s, 70s psychedelic costume with the big sleeve. <laughs> yes. And it even ran into kind of modern day comics with the Manhunter, where she was, or they, they finally made a female character and she had a collection of other superhero costumes. It's Asriel's Gauntlets, um, Night Vision goggles left over and stuff like that. Right. And she right, became right. the Manhunter. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see did the Martian Manhunter, did he, well, the, did his creators take some of that in hopes of firing up another legacy. Type. I think I think with the idea that I mean this would have been during the Julie Schwartz era, era too, right? 
I'd say so. I okay, would yeah, so, so I'm saying, oh, God, I hope I'm not too far off. But uh, <laughs> with that whole idea, I mean, we, when we got a re-imagine, not a reimagining, but a reboot of the Flash and a reboot of the Green Lantern, the name Manhunter is a very, you know, you think about it, it's kind of a powerful, uh, you know, image. You know, this guy who who hunts down men, you know, for a living. Yeah. And uh, eventually they do give that kind of a job to... Uh, John Jones on on Mars. He was the Martian Manhunter because he was kind of a cop. Yeah, it's, it's for funny. Mars. Um, when he when he made his first appearance, when he splashed onto the scene, he was just this alien who was accidentally summoned by Doctor Earl. Oh gosh, what's uh, Saul? Yeah, Doctor Earl. Um, it was a freak accident that brought John to the planet Earth. And, you know, at first we don't really know what he does. Uh, he was Dr. Saul Erdell. There we go. Dr. Saul Erdell. He accidentally brought him via teleportation machine. And, you know, all of a sudden John's here on our planet. And it's kind of like, uh-oh, what, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then as they started going, as the character progressed, we wanted to know more about his origins. And so, yeah, he, he was a manhunter on Mars. And so he was, he was a trusted cop. And, you know, he would always go out there and get his Martian. Right, exactly. Um the idea is that Martian Manhunter has, just like Superman, adopted Earth as his home. Because on his home of Mars, the whole planet died. It ceased yes. to exist. Uh, unlike Krypton, it didn't blow up. Because, well, we couldn't really blow up Mars. It's still part of our <laughs> solar system. We need it. <laughs> but they, uh, you know, they, uh, the whole race of people died out uh and i think most of the time they contribute to a giant fire uh, where yeah. everybody's skin kind of caught on fire and they all died that way yeah thus giving uh his Jean, his, his weakness. one weakness yeah. his kryptonite is fire he's kind of yeah. a uh what is that called a pyrophobe yeah yeah um it, it, it's always interesting and i think touching on that the home world part of it you see superman's lucky in the fact that he was a baby sent from krypton so it's like you know, you, you have, we, I mean, we all have these ties to culture and, you know, some of our cultures have been, you know, not treated fairly and it's tough when you hear about that. Um, but luckily, you know, you can't really put a face to it, you know, but for John, he can, you know, his actual, his wife and two children, um, he watched them die, you know, in some cases they had it that everybody died and he lived and he wandered the planet alone and then luckily was plucked to earth and in some cases they had it that he was plucked to earth while the people were dying so that's why he was saved um but it always makes it harder because kal-el clark kent superman he left krypton as a baby john jones left mars as an adult right so he has the memories of the people that he had to leave behind or that he lost uh another so you know how the idea of captain marvel shazam um had a, an origin very much so as a response to Superman. Right. Because, I mean, though Shazam, as he's known now, uh, gets his powers from magic, Superman gets his, his from the sun, uh, I wonder if Martian Manhunter was kind of more of an introduction because, uh, of a... Not a response to Superman, because it's still a DC character, whereas... Right. Uh, Captain Marvel was a Fawcett Fawcett Comics character, right? Yeah, he, he was another company. I believe it was Fawcett. So, why make a character that's so very similar to Superman? Well, see, in in my opinion, and John has been a he's an interesting character because a lot of people try to tie him to he's actually the birth of the Silver Age. A lot of people try to say no, the Silver Age began with John Jones. Um, one person made up an interesting argument that John Jones, he, when he was first created, he wasn't that big of a character because he didn't have the secret identity aspect yet. Um, and then finally, once they decided to play with, okay, you know, he's John Jones from Mars, then we'll make him John Jones of Earth. We'll have these, you know, secret identity split offs. That's when he truly started becoming a superhero, comic book superhero. So I would say, I would wager, he he's definitely... He he comes from the science the science fiction part of comic books, you know, when you know westerns and 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 and, 
and stuff like that was going on, you know, there were still sci-fi books. And here's, you know, the ultimate tale of, oh, you know, here comes an alien from beyond. So I would say he, he's definitely fallout from the big Mars craze that, you know, America was going through. So it's like, okay, well, let's bring this Martian in and let's just, you know, put him through some zany adventures, you know, plus, a, plus, a stranger in a strange land type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you know, it's the whole kind of scaring the populace with he's a martian he's green he's he's not like us but he can he can live amongst us because he can shapeshift thus he takes on the name john jones detective john jones uh his very much the persona that he usually uses when he's not being himself yeah and it is interesting because it's it's kind of i mean it's it's a it's a it's an ugly way to look at our cultures but it's kind of an interesting way to look at our cultures you know superman you know, it's, you know, from Action Comics number one, we've known he's always been an alien. But it's okay. He, he looks like us. He does look like us. You know, but the... John Jones doesn't look like us. And it's it's interesting because John, you know, in his superhero... Well, okay, one thing to address. In the, the way you see John Jones, for the most part, that is not his true form. His true form, they always kind of joke around. They call him Gumby, but he is. He's this very petite elongated body with a cone head um that's his true form and then we were just having this conversation beforehand we were saying uh i think that i mean that's kind of the, that that form of him was not introduced to after post-crisis when we were like getting the idea that, that we needed to show that he's more alien yeah he he adopts this humanoid uh green bald figure just to fit in more with humans yeah. but still to keep himself separate yeah so the very first image or the first appearance of him he has this uh bare chest he's green he's got the bald head i think that's kind of a response to like uh john carter john carter of mars if you think about Probably. it because the the whole idea of that book is the martians kind of look a little barbaric and they you know they have a little because i mean he's definitely just wearing a you know a speedo and uh an x on his x chest, on his chest <laughs> yeah. and it's it's barbaric barbarian like and and uh you know it's kind of that's the idea that they had of Mars in, in the 50s. I like that. That's, that is. That's probably a really good explanation of the costume because it is funny. Everybody has a super suit, you know, and, and you know, John Jones is just walking around in Speedos and X and a cape. And, <laughs> yeah, well, it makes sense because they were probably, you know, the, uh, the, the, the culture's perception of Mars, Martians, was a barbarian race. I like that. I, I'm kind of unfamiliar with John Carter, but that's, that's a real good explanation of the tie-ins. I like that. Uh, another thing that I thought was uh, interesting, or could be interesting, um, is, or I, I mean, it definitely, it, it, he is the formation of the Justice League of America, correct? It depends on which origin you want. Um, oh, really? Yes, yes. Uh, so, and this is funny, because I know we, we've talked on this before. So, John Jones always gets this, uh, this, uh, this title as, you know, he's the heart and soul of the Justice League. You know, he's been there from day one and all these interesting little tidbits. But I think that's because the era of comics we really introduced ourselves was JLA, where John was the heart and soul. Because he didn't have a book. Right, you right. Know, you, that was the only place you could read John was in his own, it was in the JLA book. Uh, Superman, you could follow him. Green Lantern, you could follow him. But not John. So that kind of gave him his mission and purpose. Um, but the original Justice League was formed... Um, so even in the JLA's first appearance, they had to fight an alien in Manus, the Starro, the Starro the Conqueror. And so he'd, he would shoot out these little spores that looked like micro versions of them, and they'd cling to your face. And, you know, you're mind-controlled. You're part of the hive now. And so the Justice League of America, they're already a team, and they just, all right, here we go. We go fight the Starros. We, you know, pair off into little groups. You fight, I fight, we fight, and then vanquish our foe. And I want to say when the Justice League got its book, I want to say probably issue nine, they had the idea that, okay, how did the Justice League get together? So there was these aliens, the, the Apaxil aliens. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but the, the Apaxilations, they crashed on Earth. And so their premise was there were like, I want to say eight of them. And they, they had to fight to discover who would be the king or the warlord of their planet. And so, of course, you know, there's, I believe it's eight because there's seven of them to fight each individual member. So the, the big seven at the time was Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Barry Allen, Flash, and Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. So they were the original Justice League. So each one of them fought an alien. And each alien was ta tailored to kind of 
deal with a weakness of a hero. So, for example, Green Lantern had to fight this golden canary. So, at the time, Green Lantern's weakness was yellow. So, here's this, you know, alien bird-like thing covered all in yellow. So, the one John Jones fought was a fire creature. So, of course, you know, exploiting his weakness. But luckily, heroes are smart, so they can always find a way to overcome. And so, they all fight them, and then they come down to the final villain, and, you know, they that's what forms them as a group, and they, they go after it. Um, as time has progressed, heroes, like, I know, I think we get our inspiration from this, from the JLA miniseries, uh, JLA Year One. And that book, they kind of, we have the, the original Justice League, this is post-crisis, so this is after the reset of DC's history. The original JLA members were Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Barry Flash, Howl Green Lantern, and Black Canary. Right. And they all formed the same way, you know, these, these aliens were having a contest on Earth. But part of their fear was, what if John was one of them? Because in the JLA Year One story, we discover that John Jones has been making other identities, and he would go hang out with Aquaman, with Black Canary, and he was kind of hanging out with them, but also gathering intel. And then eventually the files get taken, and the heroes get taken down, and so it's kind of like, you bastard, you're one of them. You know, you were, you're a secret spy. You must have been, you must have been the eighth alien. And so that kind of put him out there. So, again, the, the origins are always a little bit different. I know the Justice League cartoon, they played with the idea that John Jones crashed on Earth and was like, hey, I need your help. And, you know, he's definitely the formation. So it, it, it varies which origin you choose well, to use. Well, there you go. I, I, I would have to say that my uh, formation of the Justice League always had uh, the Martian Man under there at the center. However, I guess the... Uh, I, I've re- I'm remembering it wrong, or I was uh, retconned into remembering it wrong. <laughs> Which you know, uh, I guess now in retrospect, my I, I can't be too angry about in the new Fifty Two when they didn't include him in the Justice League of America. Oh, uh, such a loss. <laughs> but I mean, obviously now there's precedent that he wasn't part of the Justice League, or he wasn't there for the formation of the Justice League. Well, he was definitely there, but it wasn't because of him. Right. He was a part of it, but it wasn't because of him. And and that's what changes in, in different viewpoints of it. Um, in the new 52, another retcon of the DC Comics line of heroes, the founding Justice League of America is Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Barry Flash, Hal Green Lantern, and Cyborg. A great character, but unfortunately, in my opinion, you did a disservice to the Teen Titans. Uh, that's where Cyborg first appeared, uh, Victor Stone. Stone, and you you saw his struggles. Here's a young man who's a super athlete. He's doing a great job, and then he was just caught in an accident or an explosion, depending on the origin, and now he has a cybernetic body, and he's he's kind of crushed because you know he he doesn't look normal. He he can't run like he used to, and you know now he's got to depend on cybernetics and machinery to help keep him alive so yeah it was very much a he's a he's a great character but it was a shame because he had a lot of growth and a lot of influence on the teen titans which is another great story amongst itself well you know and it's unfortunate because or on the other hand is that uh, martian even before uh flashpoint new 52 martian manhunter you know when i was first introduced into him which was the grant morrison jla uh He's he's so much the heart of the 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 JLA that he is always friendly. Like you know, for a man that could one you know his whole his family and his race died. Uh, all of the um, time that he spent alone on Mars until eventually he was he was picked up by uh, Doctor Saul or whatever his name is, you know, and then came to Earth and and then had to had to live with people dying around him eventually until the justice league was formed and he was there he still got this sunny disposition about him he's always uh you know positive then it's kind of like after i believe it's infinite crisis uh he he kind of goes more stern yeah. and then after new 52 they make it so that he's so much more alien that he doesn't he's not a part of the human race anymore he doesn't look at it as a as a uh, as his adopted world, as the as as a as people that he should take care of, he's, he's he sticks out. I, I believe in the, uh, in the new fifty two, he becomes part of Stormwatch. You know, originally, yeah, yeah, he 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 did become a part of the Stormwatch, which is interesting. Um, there is a sneak, there is a neat little sneak that Jeff Johns did in the Justice League book post fifty two. 
I want to say issues 13, 14. John Jones actually would have been a member of the Justice League, but he was he's just too alien and confrontational that he didn't like their collection of power. So that's eventually what leads him to be part of the Stormwatch group, where here's a group of superpower beings who deem themselves like, okay, we we are the ones who watch the Watchmen, you know. So, yeah, so interesting it's, take there. It's interesting, yeah. I mean, goes into the idea of the JLA uh, year one that you were talking about, where you know he had all these files on him, and he not only is he keeping a uh, you know a watch on Superman and Batman and people who have all this power that really need to be kept an eye on, but I, I still miss that lovable John. Oh, I, well, no, I agree with you. I agree. That, um, the one I, that had the addiction to Oreos. Yes, yeah, that was such a fun thing. Um, yeah, because uh, I would say, honestly, like, I mean, you know, I'd see him here and there in comic books and, and stuff like that, but I think it was, you know, I, I know, I guess when I got serious about collecting comics, the the JLA book by Grant Morrison, um, John was one of the one of the founders in that group, one of the mainstays, and it was, it was neat how, you know, he, he, he he would talk with Batman. He would talk with Superman. And then he would talk to the kids, Wally and Kyle, and he treated them all the same. And you, you, you would get to a point where it's like, I like this term, but you would go colorblind. You didn't see him as Martian man. Or you just saw him as another friend, you know, another great guy on the team. And I was just like, wow, that is, that is so awesome. And I like that he was, he was a lighthearted person. So it's like, well, yeah, he is the heart and soul of the team because He's a very heartful person. He, you know, he's respectful, and I loved that about his character. And yeah, unfortunately, the New Fifty Two has kind of drawn itself away from it. They're, they're, I think they're recognizing it and they're bringing him back towards being a very lovable character again. But you know, they, they definitely took him for some darker tones. And then talking about the fact that he, the way that he talked to the younger heroes like uh, Wally and Kyle, because. Uh, when I started reading comic books, Kyle Rayner was the Green Lantern, so thus he was my Green Lantern. I, I wasn't, I didn't have the connection to Hal Jordan that most readers around my age have. You included. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I like Kyle, but yeah, for me, when you say Green Lantern, I, I skip Alan Scott, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, and Gnort and all of them. I'm, it's just Hal Jordan for me. But yeah, it's that was my connection. Like I remember the first time I saw Green Lantern. When I'll, I'll save that for a. A 101, but, uh, you know, it was it was a very neat thing. Um, so it was Hal for me. And, you know, definitely Kyle, I know, when, when you got serious about your collecting. So when, at the forefront. And coming back to that is that, uh, you know, one of the first issues I remember of J- Justice League of America, I believe, or JLA, Grant Morrison's JLA, is that... Uh, the alien race comes and they and they this I, don't, I forget what the race is but they come and they say they want uh, Kyle to come and help them broker a peace treaty with another warring race and they and Kyle's like they they asked for me and Marsh Manor's like no they asked for the Green Lantern so he's like oh so they wanted Hal and you told him that he wasn't here and he's like yeah and he's like well then then they asked for me he's like no they wanted uh someone else and he's like but 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 martian manhunter says that uh you know i told them what you know what you bring that you have the heart you have the reasoning and you have the power to do all these things so if i'm if i'm not remembering that right you can go ahead and tell me no i i know what you're talking about i can't remember it scene for scene but i remember that and it was neat because it was like if, if if kyle had a tail you could totally see it was wagging and he's like they asked for me no Oh, okay. They asked for you. But they thought of me, right? <laughs> no. But John has such a great fatherly way of making you feel welcomed anyways. He's like, but I, I sold them on you. They like you, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's like, all right, I'm still happy. And then there's the, the whole, um, eventually down the line in that in that series, where uh, I believe it's it's after DC 1 million when... Uh, oh, that was a good story Kyle went to the future of Mars, and he's like, look, you're going to have to... Do, and Martian Manhunter as the planet Mars... Because he's kind of merged with it at this point in the future, yeah. he's like, "I'm going to ask you for favors, like throughout, because he trusts him so much." So, like, his connection to Kyle was also a thing that really sold me on that character. That was that was a cool. That's true. That was a cool buddy moment for those two because, yeah, you know, it's Kyle and John. They have a great part. It, this is called DC One Million, and it's a it's its own mini series. It's a four issue mini series, and then it involved one month of every DC comic for the most part, going to issue one million. 
and it's supposed to be uh, Jeff or uh, Grant Morrison in his zaniness counted one million months from the release of Action Comics number one. One million months, so it takes us into the you know eight hundred fifty third century, and we see where these characters would or could be. And you know, John Jones, he actually survives. He he goes from now all the way up to then because, as Mitch said, he he becomes part of the planet Mars, and he becomes its ultimate guardian. He becomes it, and. You know, there's a neat little bit there with Kyle's Green Lantern legacy because Kyle gets to go to the future. and He's like, oh, there's no Green Lantern. And he's already carrying this weight of being the, the last, last Green, Green Lantern. Lantern and right. now it's like, oh, I screwed up because there are no more Green Lanterns. <laughs> oh, God. You know, but it's like, well, no, your ring, you trusted me with it. And that way I could present it to the future. And then, you know, Superman prime he, because he's just so powerful. I mean, here's a Superman who's been sitting in the sun his source of powers. <laughs> he's been sitting in the sun for so many decades, and on top of it, like he's he's just pure gold. And then as soon as he pops out, you know, it's like, oh, here you go. Here's a Green Lantern ring on top of that. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> you're so powerful. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, that's uh, that's one of. The, so then eventually, even Grant Morrison had a uh, uh, from the pages of JLA Martian Manhunter book. Which uh, was part of that whole storyline that I also was very interested. Oh in. yeah, yeah. So we we um, luckily okay. So luckily with the success of the JLA book, and I think the the, the comics company obviously noticed that. And I know myself as a fan because when I was collecting comics, you always bought JLA and Avengers. Why? Because you got everyone. If you wanted to see what was going on, you read those two books, and you have you know you got Captain America, you got Iron Man, you got Thor, you got Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, you got everybody. And so obviously, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, if I'm some kid, I'm probably collecting Green Lantern and JLA. Now, hey, you know what? Let me try out Aquaman. Let me try out Flash and Wonder Woman and, you know, Superman, maybe action, Batman, maybe detective. So, all right, let's complete the set. Boom, here comes a John Jones book. Um, It was written by, and they're a great team. Let me see if I can find them here. Okay, here we go. Martian Manhunter, it started in 1998, and it was by John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake. Ostrander, that name sounds so familiar. What what are some of the books that he wrote? Well, those two specifically, they had a huge run on the Spectre. Okay. And I want to say, I think Ostrander, I think he had some tie-in with Hawkman, if I remember correctly. I think that's where I remember that name from. I think he did did some Hawkman stuff. Um, But yeah, they, they, they took the character, and they really did a big revamping of him. I would say that's this... Their book was fundamental in where we get our modern-day Martian Manhunter. So they were the ones who introduced um, that he actually had a life on Mars. He had a wife and kids, and it was fleshed out more. You know, they, they had names, and, and we, we, we get a character. Um, again, you know, Superman's got Lex Luthor. Batman's got uh, the Joker. Who did Martian Manhunter have? Didn't really have anybody. But I'll come to that in a moment. Here's my, my pick. But anyways, they, they introduced this character called Malefact. And as it turns out, Malefac, he is um, he's a pyrokinetic, which is weird, you know. So he's got this telepathy and, and mastery of fire. So he mixes the two together, and he's the one who causes the great fire that destroys the Martian race. And so as John, and as it comes to find out, this is his brother, as John and his brother are going to fight, that's when uh, John gets pulled to Earth. So he never got to close the case. So eventually Malefac makes it to Earth. And it's the first eight issues of the Martian Manor book. Uh, it's available in trade paperback. I forget what it's called. But I know it's, it's Martian Manor. I think it's, you know, Son of Mars or something like. Great story. So go check that one out. Um, and you, you see their battle. And it gives you uh, an overview of the Martian Manor's history. And anyways, those, that, that writer-artist team, they were the first ones to explore the, identi- the idea that John has more than one identity. You know, he's he's John Jones, a detective. You know, he's a cab driver in Boston. He's a cat in Australia. You know, he's got all these different identities and different cultures and parts of the world. Now, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't, Malefact, all, as, as well as being a uh, pyrokinetic, uh, being able to control fire, uh, he, didn't he also, wasn't he also severed from the hive telepathy that all Martians kind of had? And that's kind of why he was the outsider and... He, he wanted to uh, 
kill the the rest of the Martian race. Yep, you're you're spot on. Your memory is good on that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, that was uh, that's true. I forgot to mention that he uh, the reason he had this hatred and jealousy of the other Martians is every Martian was tuned into this hive. You know, we all know the same thing. We all share these thoughts. It makes us have this warm glow. We're accepted. And here you are, the only person on that planet who everyone but you yeah you know so yeah it kind of it pissed him off apparently very much so <laughs> good so that's a, just to know that i, I remember that uh, but some of his other villains would be like gem the sanitarian yeah right? yeah they, they've played with that um again grant morrison um you may remember for one of our imagine ifs um they, <laughs> they they did an anti-justice league the injustice league the injustice gang and their Martian Manhunter placeholder was Jem, the son of Saturn. And so they used him definitely as a villain. Um, for me, my personal pick, I say Despero. I think Despero is the best John Jones anti-villain. That, because it's the same thing. Here's another alien who has... He doesn't have the shape-shifting ability. But if you look at his first appearances, he's very scrawny. And then he gets bulked up. So he, he does have some physical mass to him. Um, he can survive in the vacuum of space. And he also has telepathy. He has his third eye that allows him to, you know, take you over and make you part of his. And, it, you know, it, again, it's another thing where it's like he's almost he's a very in tune, peaceful character like John. But he just has this burning rage of I'm either not accepted or I have to be the Tolterian leader. You know, so it's he, he does seem centered, but he turns out to not be when he's not getting his way. And, you know, he's an outsider just like John's. And I, I think they, they fit each other, you know, because here it is again, you know, last of their race, aliens, and they, they come forth. They have this telepathy and they're trapped on a planet that's not their home. So I, I, I personally, that to me is my anti, you know, Martian Manhunter. That's my pick. And then uh, I think a character that we talked about uh, before we started recording, but uh, a f- a female villain by the name of Scorch was his being a, a pyrophobic, you know, he, she was his villainous, but then eventually kind of got him to be in, in what was it in, in JLA? Was it a story in JLA? I yes. Um, to specifically, they were JLA issues 84 through 89. Um, I know that's available in trade paperback. I don't know what it's called. Great storyline. So go ahead and finish that one. And the, uh, they kind of form a, uh, a love relationship you know he, they actually feel for each other uh i don't exactly know if she's alien or not i think she just has fire abilities but she uh he he's able to kind of do um aversion therapy to the point that he no longer has a fear of fire and while he doesn't have this fear of fire it kind of removes some almost like mental blocks that he put on himself to keep himself in check, because once this fire weakness of his is gone, he becomes a lot more like Despero. Oh yeah, where he's he's thinking about, well, why do I need to listen to Superman and Batman? I, I can, I'm much more much more powerful than all of the Justice League put together. I can I could rule this planet easily. Uh, so it, it, you know, I think I think they kind of um, do a. Uh, they kind of touch on the idea that maybe he put those mental blocks and that fear of fire on himself, being yeah. a tele- telepath. Well, definitely, uh, this would be under the penmanship of, I think, Joe Kelly, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes, Joe Kelly. And act- you were right about this. You mentioned this in our conversation before recording here. There's a story called Emperor Joker. And there's a she's a normal human being, Aubrey Sparks, and she's transformed into Scorch. See, that's another thing. I, before you get going... I just want to. I just want uh, everybody to know when you're having a child, please think about what you're naming them because uh, <laughs> when you give them these names, where you know their last name is Sparks, it, there's a good chance they might become a villain that has to do with fire. <laughs> what were Sinestro's parents thinking? You know, <laughs> right? like, geez, let's bow Sinestro. <laughs> His name starts with Sid. No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe on Croagar it means like, no, he's gifted. <laughs> I, no, I just, I always find that funny. I just think that, uh, you know, how did you not know this guy was going to? You know, sometimes, sometimes they're heroes too. You know, uh, Matt Ryder ended up becoming Wave Rider, so you know, you never know. Yeah, that's true, but it is, it is interesting. You know, it, you know. 
uh, Johnson was the son of John. And it's funny <laughs> how we think it's goofy in comics, but it actually came from our reality too. You yep. know? So yeah. So when you do have children and you, if for some reason, if you're thinking about Geek Elite Radio and you're naming your kids, <laughs> go on the good side of names. Go That's on the right. good side. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, Scorch was created from that and... You know, she was later on kind of played around in Joe Kelly's run during the Superman comics. Once he took over the JLA books, he had her uh, uh, had her mix up with John, and it, it is a it's a great story. Um, I myself will probably go track down the trade paperbacks just to have it handy, and it was because John. I want to say by that point in the JLA book, I don't think John's book survived. It got canceled. Right. Um, and then, you know, he was reduced to just being only in the JLA book. But that was such a great character growth arc. Um, again, JLA 84 through 89. When you're looking for material to read on John Jones, those are some good issues. And it, it did. It it took away his weakness. And he actually, you know, he, he embraced the fire. And, you know, he found a great love interest. Almost kind of like a Batman-Catwoman type of relationship. Yeah, very much so. Um, but, you know, it, it gave him some growth. It started giving him more more roundness to him. And so if we're talking about storylines that uh, really showcase, uh, you know, Martian Manhunter as a, as, as a character. I think Brave, or not Brave New World, uh, New Frontier is a good Ooh. book. That is a great one. And if if you don't feel like reading the book, there's the DC animated uh, movie, so, yeah, the, the, which just, actually is really close to the books. They it, did a great job with that one. Uh, Justice League, The New Frontier is its full title. It was the second DC animated film they did. And yeah, that one knocked it out of the park. I mean, it... You know, the the art style is very much captured by the writer-artist Darwin Cook. Um, it's it, it did a great job of keeping all the elements. I mean, it, the, the the story itself, I want to say it's like six oversized comic books. So it's a lengthy volume. It's it's another great read. It's a, a, uh, it's In the comics, it's just called New Frontier. Uh, in the, the, the cartoon, it's called Justice League New Frontier. But it did. It did a great feature of John Jones because it, it's, it's basically a love letter to the Silver Age. And they, they, they show how John Jones comes to Earth. And at first, he, you know, here he's very alien looking. He's very wrinkly and green and, you know, these big red eyes. And so he knows he's an outsider. And so he's just kind of living in, in Dr. Erdell's apartment and, you know, his first exposure to the human culture is television. And so it's neat because there's these neat little moments where he's, you know, he's watching TV and he, he turns into John Wayne. He's like, I put her there, son. <laughs> you know, and then uh, he turns into the, 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 the NBC Indian at the end of the broadcasting day when television stopped. Yes, there was a time in our our world where television stopped broadcasting. And, you know, he would turn into Bugs Bunny and do all these amazing things. And so that's what helped develop him to be well-rounded. I think that's a great showcase on why he is a very well-rounded character. You know, because he, he saw he saw these loving characters and, you know, Man of Mystery, Joe Detectives and stuff like that. And so it helped him to pursue what he became when he became on earth. And yeah, that was, that's a great sort of pseudo origin for John Jones, uh, new frontier. That's a good book. Definitely and then and, and it showed him, uh, eventually going around and, uh, spying on the essential heroes that would become the justice league. Uh, I think there's the one scene where Barry is, uh, being attacked and then you find out it's act. no, Maybe, am I thinking of it wrong? Maybe it was, it's Barry's being attacked and then he, uh, uh, he, the, the the villain that he's fighting gets a, his voice or mind taken over by something else, right? Oh, I can't say that's ringing any bells, but I I, I I know you'll remember this one from the New Frontier when Batman's tracking down this kid who was kidnapped, and it's by these like crazy cult people, and so of course Detective John Jones and his partner break in, and you know they are fighting him, and then all of a sudden Batman notices something. And later on, he confronts him, and you know he's got the matchbook, and he's like, you know, to fight the other alien, I had to spend a million dollars to get this rock. But you, it just takes a nickel and a book of matches. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, geez, Batman, way to be a dick. <laughs> Doesn't matter what time period, Batman's a dick. <laughs> yep. uh, no, so yeah, the, it's a very good read uh, for all of the Justice League, but but also for Martian Manhunter, and to get the idea of uh, where he's coming from and how he. Uh, looks at Earth, you know, because it's a bit. That's a big 
that's a big twist at the end of that story with his character, isn't it? That she, yeah. He, he kind of leaves in the middle of it because he's like, why should I help you people? Yeah, well, and he, then, yeah, because after, actually, yeah, after meeting Batman, he's kind of like, I don't like you people. Right. I don't like you people one bit. And so how he meets how Jordan Green Lantern is, how Jordan Green Lantern's going to be part of this team. They're going to, uh, good, they're going to go into space. I think specifically they're going to go to Mars. So John is like, hey, I'll just hitch a ride and get the hell off this planet. Um, but, he gets captured, and King Fry, Friday, right? Faraday. Faraday. King Faraday. That's the uh, the government spook. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because John's locked up in a prison cell, and what brings John and King together? Chess, right? I think it's right. chess. So they're playing this game, and they're talking, and you know they kind of realize that even though they're they're supposed to be enemies, they're kind of like they're actually not that bad of a guy, <laughs> you know. And so King eventually, you know, gets John released, so he they can face the real menace. This weird alien goo that's just kind of like crashed on Earth and it's like just absorbing. It's absorbing more raw material and getting bigger and bigger. So they're like, all right, well, you know, John can come help us. And this is where John decides to like, well, if I'm going to help you guys, I need to look better. So he he actually kind of makes himself look like a pseudo Superman. So that's why he's got the heroic pose and look because he's copying Superman and you know he he makes contact with this alien and it just shuts him down right because it's just it's chaos it's a chaotic hive mind and john's like i can't i can't focus on that but yeah it did it showed at one point where john was like i don't like you people you're scary <laughs> you screw you i'm out <laughs> so once again yeah once a great story for john uh martian manhunter if you want to uh delve into his character more are there other stories that you particularly yes. like what's something well, that you, i that was my first introduction was jla did you already say your first introduction well let's see my my first intro to john like really fleshing him out more uh it was jla year one um because in the jla book he was there and i i felt like i knew him you know i'm like okay well you know he's he's already established and they did a book jla year one i know it was mark wade and barry kitston I believe was the the artist Mark Wade the writer, twelve issue miniseries, and it's basically the post crisis origin of the Justice League. So this is after the first major reset. We're going to show how the Justice League began. But this one again, it, it plays with the idea that the Justice League's already formed. Uh, there's an issue of Secret Origins, like early '90s, late '80s, uh, Secret Origins number twenty something, that shows how you got the new Justice League. Um, Barry Allen Flash, uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, and Black Canary. So how they those five came together to be the Justice League. And this book starts immediately after that. So it's issues 1 through 12. It's available in trade paperback. I highly recommend it. It's a great story. It's a great read. And in that one, I thought it was neat because John is he's on Earth. And you know he's doing the whole superhero thing. And you can definitely see there he's an outsider. And he starts exploring having other identities. Like for Aquaman, he, he turns into like kind of like a Coast Guard guy. Uh, for Green Lantern, he turns into this very uh, bodacious blonde. Because, you know, Hal's all about women. Uh, with Barry Allen, he turns into another cop. With, you know, all of them, he turns into somebody, like a confidant. And so these characters are like, oh you're okay with me having this exciting life. I'm not going to tell you I'm Green Lantern, but I'm on these crazy adventures and I'm meeting these crazy people and it's kind of blowing my mind. I'm glad you're here so I can talk about it. And so he's gathering data on everybody, you know, and he's just making these dossiers and it's not necessarily for evil, but it's just kind of like, okay, because I don't know who to trust here. You know, I'm a stranger in a strange land. And and eventually though, his, his, um, his hideout gets raided. And it's funny because the major villain in that story is Vandal Savage, mm. who's going to be a major villain in the upcoming Legends of the Tomorrow show, also by DC Comics. Um, so it, it, it was just interesting to see because he's, he's got good intentions. You know, he, he's got facts and information. You know, it's like how we know about our friends. You know, like, oh, I know my best friend leaves a key under his welcome mat to go into his house, you know. But all of a sudden when that knowledge gets exploited, you know, your friend might look at you with a kind of, you know, a nasty eye. And so, of course, the other Justice Leaguers look at John as a villain. And he's kind of got to, you know, he's got to go away from it. And he's got to go away from them. And he's just, he's so sad. And I remember there's a scene where he's fighting the aliens by himself. And then the other four leaguers show up. And they're kind of like, should we help John? 
<laughs> and they seriously pause. And then eventually they're kind of like, all right, I guess we'll do it, you know. And it's like, wow. You know, and so they, they do eventually see that. All right, you, you screwed up. You should have told us. But, you know, we're, we're okay with it. Um, and then there's also some light moments, too, because I thought there was one that was neat. So as they're setting up their Justice League headquarters, you see Barry Allen flash. He's all excited, and he made a Superman chair. And he's like, yeah, I can't wait because Superman's totally going to join us, right? And then, of course, the other Justice Leaguers are like, Barry, don't get your hopes up, man. You know, <laughs> that's that's a real deal. We're just whatevers. And then all of a sudden they look, and they see Superman there. And they're all just sitting there slack-jawed like, oh, my God, it's him. It's him. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of like morphs back into Martian Manhunter. And everybody's kind of looking at like, what did you do? And then all of a sudden, he morphs kind of into the kid from Mad Magazine, Albert E. Newman. And he's like, what, me worry? And they just, they start laughing, you know, because it's such a lighthearted moment. I like Aquaman's response. He's like, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just funny, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know your stupid culture, but I think it's funny looking, you know. And, and so John, he, he did. He brought a lot of a lot of emotion to the book and to me that was a great introduction to the character and I was like all right you know let me let me learn more about this and then I did I followed off into the uh the Martian man under book um you know that first eight issues was another great introduction to his new origin and whatnot you know what and, and speaking of that I don't remember okay I don't know if it's a co- cartoon that I remember this from or a comic book and it, whichever it is you you'll probably know but uh there's a time when uh, Martian Manhunter goes to Gotham and he it wants to impersonate Batman, but he gets the idea of what Batman looks like from all the different uh, ideas in people's minds. He uses telepathy, so he comes up with this weird-looking, like, actual vampire kind of bat-looking, and then Batman eventually shows up and he goes, Oh, so that's what you look like, because all these other people have this idea that you look more like this. Wow, no, I can't say it. I wonder, did you ever watch Batman Brave and the Bold, that cartoon? I didn't. Okay. So I was thinking maybe it was an issue, an episode of that. Well, I, I'll, I'll have to search for this. But it sounds kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's another one where like, I think it was the idea of, of Martian Manhunter kind of putting together the Justice League. So I don't know if that was the Justice League cartoon or if that was like... You know, maybe that's where it was. Maybe that might be it because I do remember him kind of traveling around in there right. to find people. So I think that's I think that's where I'm remembering that from. But I, I was I thought that was a always a funny little thing where he's like, "Wow, you don't look anything like what these people think you look like. <laughs> You're not a demon. You're just a crazy rich guy." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a, that's funny. Um let's see another uh, again, uh, I would definitely recommend that that JLA 84 through 89. Um oh, I'm trying to think there's um I kind of lost this. Uh, okay, Justice League and Justice League International. The Giffen, uh, oh, the rest of those guys. During that era of comics. Um, so after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, they, they, they relaunched the whole DC Universe. And John Jones, okay, here we go. Uh, Keith Giffen, J.M. Dematis, and Kevin McGuire, and Adam Hughes even. So they relaunched in 87... Uh, the JLA and they called it Justice League, Justice League of America, Justice League America, Justice League International. It had all these different names and spinoffs. And that's where we get the Oreo cookie fetish that John has. And I thought that one was such a neat one because here's this book with all these crazy characters. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, who's our Green Lantern? Guy Gardner, you know. Uh, this is the whole wah-ha-ha, one-punch, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold <laughs> shenanigans era of Justice League. I mean, here's your top premier superhero book, and it's a comedy. And I, I thought that was such a fun era. And there's also a great um, Despero issues. I want to say, I think it's like 28, somewhere in the 30s. And Despero comes back to Earth. And he's totally got a mad on for the Justice League. So during the the Justice League of America, the original series, um, the Justice League was like Steel, who was this, uh, not the Steel John Henry Irons, but Steel, this guy in this red, white, and blue costume who had modifications from his grandfather. And he kind of was a real jerk i mean to put it nicely he had some you know issues with like minorities and stuff like that uh we had vibe you know this this minority token character when he was first created and you know and those two of course were clashing all the time gypsy um just this kind of real 
like 20th stringers Justice League, and right. John Jones was the only popular hero on the team. So Despero comes, and he kind of wipes them out, destroys them. So John has to, like, he, he uses this, uh, at the time it was a superpower, so all the Martians have one gift. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm mixing the two. So anyways, he somehow regresses Despero to a baby. And, like, he reduces his intelligence and physical form to a baby and then boots it out into space. And then somehow he grows back up and he, he comes riding all these meteors to get back to Earth to exact his revenge. Well, that Justice League, they're all dead. They died during the last story arc. Um, and so John, of course, still keeps in touch with Gypsy. She's still alive. So when Despero comes to Earth, he knows she's still alive. He goes to her house, kills her parents. And this is tough because it's like, you know, obviously her code name's Gypsy, you know. So even though they're, they're, they're definitely nomadic people, they still believe in their family. So her family gets killed and she's just heartbroken and she doesn't even know how to defend herself. And luckily John, you know, out of all the people he listens to on Earth, he listens to her and he goes and he helps her fight Despero. And, you know, of course, and the rest of the Justice League come to back up John and they're they're going to lose. You know, Despero is just so full of hate and he's he's feeding off of it and he's going to kill them. And John Jones uses his Martian gift. So there's one gift that every Martian has like it's, you know, this ultimate like wish fulfillment it becomes your reality. So he takes his and he gives it to Despero. And in Despero's mind and heart, he believes he won. He killed the Justice League. And he's kind of, now he's just reduced to like falling on his knees drooling because he's like, I've achieved the ultimate. And everybody's like, what the hell did you do? And he's like, well, I gave him Nirvana. You know, my, my gift, I gave it to him. Instead of keeping it for me, I gave it to him. And, you know, it's just such an is- interesting issues because you saw John make the ultimate sacrifice for his team. You saw John, you know, he doesn't just look at them as like fellow heroes. They're family members. And I thought that was great. I would, I'll have to look up the exact issues before this podcast is over. But I thought that was a really neat John Jones story. What about you? You got any in there that are some no, tear that's, joker? That's tear what, uh, you know, the only other time I think, uh, I think it's right at the end of, or at the end of DC 1 million and, and, and John has died. And uh, the, the first favor that he has asked of Kyle Rayner is to take the, the piece of Mars that he keeps on his belt and then take it back to Mars for him. And then when he does, it recreates uh, Martian Manhunter. So he kind of rebuilds himself from from yeah. the ashes of Mars. And, and uh, I thought it's just a thing that I remembered. And he had a uh, his own like Aztec fortress of solitude and stuff like that. Um, I You know, that's... It, one of the you know, one of the things that we haven't really touched on is white Martians is which yes. is an uh, offshoot off the green Martians uh you know and, and it had to do and that's where we get our miss Martian from because she's a white Martian that shapeshifts into looking more like uh John himself uh TV show wise we right now uh have him on Supergirl but he has appeared in t- the TV universe before on Smallville played by Phil Morris he helped out um he helped out young Clark Kent or Kal-El to uh, discover more about his himself and his powers because for some reason he knew about Jor-El and, and Krypton well I think that was neat because I remember they did an, uh, a story arc in the Martian Manhunter book where he was he was there at pivotal moments you know like when when uh, the rocket crashed on Earth I think they even had it that he got there before the Kents Mm. You know, and they they had it. He was there during all these like special secret origin moments of superheroes, and so it's kind of like he he did. He watched over everyone, you know. So I think that was neat that Smallville kind of took that story. I was like, all right, hey, let's let's put it here. Let's play with that. So I think that was a neat little tie into his history. And uh, and obviously we have him in the Justice League, and so now now being in uh, Supergirl, I think it is an interesting way that they have gone in uh, incorporated his character. Uh, when the show first started, you heard the name Hank Henshaw and in Superman mythos, you know, it's a very important name. Uh, uh, even in Green Lantern mythos, Green... that is a, that's a horrible name. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but you know, Hank Henshaw was one of the four, uh, Superman that uh, emerged when Superman died after fighting Doomsday. Uh, eventually he became, he's a cyborg Superman. He's a half- Superman half uh, cyborg and he you know looks it uh, eventually 
he becomes obsessed with Superman to the point that he tries to take over his life over and over and kill him. Uh, but that's not the Hank Henshaw that we have here. He's the Hank Henshaw here is the head of the DEO, uh, is very much the first line of defense for alien invaders against Earth. And um, he uh, eventually you come to find out that they kind of use the origin story of of Martian Manhunter when he was brought to Earth, but he was eventually, uh, for whatever reason, killed the original Hank Henshaw, took over as Hank Henshaw because he made a promise to Kara uh, Kara Danvers' foster parent or adopted parent. That's right, yeah. Dr. Danvers to, uh, you know, watch over his daughter, which is Alex, and uh, he eventually gave her a job with the DEO. So it's... He, he re, when he reveals himself, it's the episode where uh, Jem actually is loose inside the DEO headquarters, and uh, you know he reveals himself to Alex because he uh, sees that she has put things together and wants to know what actually happened to her father. And when he explains, you know, your father died that day, and uh, you know it's because of uh, the actual Hank Henshaw's decisions. But he, he, I made a promise to him that I'd watch over you, so he. They haven't really shown the extent of his powers in the TV show yet, but he uh, does have shape-shifting, he does have uh, super strength, and he does have flight, and they actually showed his costume, which was I thought was really yeah. cool. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I, I, don't, I, I, I wish I, I, I got to follow the TV shows more, but I remember being excited when they were like, hey, tonight's episode, and... And they did. They showed the reveal with the Martian Man on her costume. I was like, "That's awesome!" Because it's it's not his most classic, iconic costume. Um, this this costume it's definitely reminiscent of the costume that appeared after the Infinite Crisis storyline. Um, but it was it was neat and it was awesome. And you know, to me, it got me more excited because yeah, like once I heard the name Hank Henshaw as a Green Lantern fan, that cyborg Superman's the one who destroyed Coast City and drove. How Jordan into parallax and all this and that. So it's like, okay, well, where's this? What's the show going to do with this? And then, at least for me, you know, as a casual observer, I see it take a one eighty. It's like, no, this is this is Marsh Manor's new secret identity here. Um, I thought that was an interesting twist, and I mean, they've done some cool stuff. I mean, we're seeing a really good live action Martian Manhunter because of the Supergirl TV show. So that yeah exactly and I can't wait to see what more they do they do with this character it does sh- I think it it will be so the, you know the show itself has has done a lot to not try and get Kara to use Clark as a uh, yeah his guy. Deus Ex Machina this, right yeah they don't want know. him to come in and save the day for her all the time and she also doesn't want to she it's almost like she's too proud to ask for his help for certain things, even though, you know, he's been using his powers much longer than she has. So, I think what I saw is that, you know, Martian Manhunter kind of will be that guide, whereas, you know, you can kind of take instruction better from someone on the outside than maybe someone in your family. You don't feel, you know, so he's going to show her, you know, this is what kind of, let's try and test the limits of your powers and stuff like that well I like I, I think I hope this show brings back what we were talking about earlier that you know how Kyle or Wally or anybody could talk to John I think the show and of course you know the, the actor and you know he's probably been told to be that way he, he does have in his Hank Henshaw personal he seems very distant lonery but when he's John I hope they have him open up more to being the fun loving green cookie eating guy we know you know mm-hmm. I, I hope they, <laughs> they bring that aspect to him because he is such a neat character, and like you said, I think it's you know you know yeah you know dad dad knows best, but we don't listen to dad. You know, he'd rather listen to hey that guy seems cool. I'll trust the, the them, cool teacher you know? yeah. at, at the at school. You know, yeah. So I I, I hope they they kind of give him that. I hope they give him that persona because that, that's a big part of John Jones, and I think that'd be great if they put that in there. Uh, one quick little tidbit: I finally found the issues. It was Justice League America thirty-eight and thirty-nine. That was that big story arc where John had to fight Despero, and uh, I think that was a great. Those are probably some quarter bin comics you could find. I would buy them in a heartbeat. Um, let's see another another really neat storyline to check out. Um, 
would be that that one million. I think that one's great. It, it kind of looks at uh, a possibility of John's last days, and I think it's neat because, like you said, with him trusting Kyle to hey bring this piece and then bring it to the future, it shows that John will live on. And you know, he's definitely a he's a he's a good teacher character. Right. So I think that'll be neat. Hopefully, the show takes full advantage of that. So and and you know, that's and like we said, there are definitely there's definitely a lot more to this character. But he's been around for, for so long, been involved in so many histories now. Uh, either originally or retconned into uh, that we didn't cover at all, but I think we we did a pretty good job of uh, getting you the basis of who Martian Manhunter is. If you are watching Supergirl and decide you don't quite understand who this character is, yeah, definitely some good comic book storylines to check out that feature. You know, old Johnny out there doing some awesome stuff. That's right. So that's character one hundred and one for Martian Manhunter. This is episode two. What did you think? What did you, did you like? What we had to say? Do you think uh, uh, there's things that we need to focus more on? Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And also, if you've got something, um, say there's a, a storyline out there of the characters we're talking about that you want to share, please definitely chime in and let us know. We'll, we'll gladly help you get that information out there yeah, for sure. Who, who is what is your favorite Martian Man? If you know already know about the Martian Manor, what's your favorite story of Martian Man? And where was where were you first introduced to the character? You know, we'd love to hear these things. So uh, watch Supergirl. Get in, get involved with this character. Uh, whatever shows you are watching, you know, you're watching The Walking Dead, and you know there's uh, Negan's, Negan's coming, coming. Yeah, you don't we'll have to talk about Negan. You don't. I don't know anything about Negan, so you know maybe uh, we might have an episode where where Professor Franey teaches me all about Negan <laughs> and Lucille. Uh, but other than that, you know, drop us a line at GeekElitRadio on, on Twitter and uh, Geekly Radio on Facebook is where we do a lot of our conversations right now. Uh, you know, a lot of fans and, and listeners uh, ch- like to chime in and give us their perspective of what's happening in the world of geekdom. And uh, geeklyradio.com is our website. You can find me personally on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, I'm on there almost all the time. I love I love putting out my theories and, and just talking to people there. So, uh, Franey is also on Twitter at at stuff I should s h u d say. So yeah, you can definitely uh, drop on some stuff there on Twitter. I know I'm more on the Facebook crowd of stuff, and you know, yeah, it's always fun to hear your guys' stuff, share our knowledge of comics and and television and pop culture with you guys. So definitely come in and, and play. It's a great place. So this has been Imagine If presents. Characters 101, Martian Manhunter, on the Geek Elite Radio Networks. Until next time, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.